while your day is winding down. They're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus, 508-996-0500. We're talking about the January 6th committee and the findings uh, on it. Um, The four, the criminal referrals, the referrals to the Justice Department by the committee um, to charge President Trump and I believe his attorney with uh, four separate federal criminal charges. Uh, whether or not that's going to happen, it's purely advisory. It's non-binding. Whether or not it's going to happen, I lean towards no. But whether or not it's going to happen um, is an entirely different story. But 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the program. I'm going to uh, just one of the app chat messages from Dennis and Fairhaven's asking uh, about some local stuff in Fairhaven, which I'm happy to answer. Uh, hey, Marcus, great show. I enjoy it. Uh, Keith Sylvia, Fairhaven Selectman, he's running for re-election. Um, yeah, I like I like I like Keith a lot. I hope he wins. Uh, do you know or if you heard of Selectman Murphy will also run? Yes, I believe I believe Charlie will run uh, too. Uh, I I thought he had pulled papers. I believe um, I believe Charlie and Keith both pulled papers. Um, they're both good guys. Uh, and. On my board, I'm on the board of public works. I'm an elected official. I got reelected back in 2021, so I'm not up for reelection for another year. Uh, Daniel Lopes is running for seat. Who's up for reelection in BPW? Um, so Brian Watton, our chair, uh, is up for reelection, and Travis Raposa, who uh, filled the seat for the remainder of Cam Durant's term, is up for reelection. Cam Durant um, was. They left the board when he got hired as the um, town, uh, the town's human resources director. So Travis Raposa, Travis Raposa was picked by the select board to serve the remainder of that term over Daniel Lopes. Um, and so Daniel's going to run for uh, election on the board, which I think is great. I think it's great to have uh, some competition now that I'm on the ballot. <laughs> Uh, do I know anybody else who may be running for select board? I've heard names being thrown around. I haven't seen anything happen, so I, I can't, I'm not going to go on air and say, yeah, I know so-and-so is running for re-election. I know, you know, this person or that person. I've heard names being thrown around, uh, who's running for re-election on the select board. I, again, I know Keith is running. I'm pretty sure Charlie's running too. Uh, so, um, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if um, 
I don't know if anybody else is running again. I've heard names being thrown around. I've heard someone's thinking about it. Other people's people are thinking about it. But there's a lot of people that say they're going to run for something, including select board, and don't end up running. Uh, so we'll see. Um, so I haven't heard anything else in terms of who's who's uh, declared like declared that they're running. So um, that's where I'm at on that. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, and as that gets closer, I do want to talk about that more. If there is a competitive select board election, which I believe there always is, there's usually more. There's usually it's rare that a select board uh, race in Fairhaven is unopposed. All the other races might be unopposed, but apparently BPW isn't. But it's rare that a select board race is unopposed. So, um, so, and um. Kelly from Dartmouth uh, says, I'm a good listener. Check out Noam Chomsky on how dangerous Biden is. And you like cats, so you're okay in my book. I love cats. I have a cat. I want more cats. Um, but uh, just have the one bangle cat, Athena, now. Um, <sighs> Max from Beverly said, Trump's conduct was criminal. Well, here's the deal. If you try to overturn the results of an election that you lost, that is definitely a crime. Uh, so, y yes, what Trump did was criminal. Whether or not Trump will be charged is another thing, but I think what Trump did was criminal. It's very clear what happened on January 6th was incited by him. I don't think you can argue otherwise, right? It's very clear that him, that his making the... Uh, the 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 statements on how the election was stolen and how he really should be the president. You had a lot of people saying, "Well, maybe he'll still be the president." You know, maybe he's he's going to actually win Pennsylvania, or he's going to win it because they're finding you know him calling the Secretary of State in Georgia and asking them to find X amount of votes, find X amount of votes. Right? Very clear. He tried to do it. Hope Hicks, his former communications director, testified uh, on Monday in front of the January 6th committee. It was actually a video recorded testimony, but she said that Trump knew that he lost the election and said it doesn't matter. Uh, and she said they knew exactly, you know, they were trying to tell him where the race was at and where, you know, how his, you know, his prospects of winning were, were bleak, if not, you know, totally um, you know, totally dashed. And he said, basically, well, if I'm a loser, my legacy doesn't matter. So all that matters is winning. So it's clear just based on this testimony that he knew that he lost the election and he didn't care. He just wanted to go forward with it anyway. He just wanted to be a winner and just wanted to be the president. And when that didn't happen, he made all of these crazy claims. And now all of these claims have poisoned every national conversation on elections going forward, right? Every time a Democrat wins now, it's because dead people voted, right? I mean, I'm not saying that Republicans and Democrats haven't cheated before, right? Um, JFK won because Sam Giancana and Richard Daly in, in uh, Chicago uh registered and <laughs> registered dead people to vote 
Uh, I mean, Nixon was doing some illegal stuff down, not in Cook County, but in the lower part of Illinois, too. But Kennedy cheated better than Nixon. Uh, George Bush stole the 2000 presidential election. Now, that's a little different because that was very much in front of everybody's face. There was a recount. Gore probably wins that recount. Gore definitely wins that recount. And they stopped the recount. They stopped a recount. The vote tally in that state was 537 votes. 537 votes. Nobody's going to argue in a state that big that a 537 vote difference would warrant, would mandate a recount. But George Bush and the Supreme Court stopped the recount. They also, you know, had organized protesters to basically charge uh, the Miami-Dade Government Center's uh, elections office to try to threaten people into stopping the recount and scaring people half to death. Uh, and then there was this, you know, the decisions by the Miami Canvas, uh, the Miami-Dade County Canvassing Board uh, that were, you know, definitely or probably influenced by political figures behind the scenes. But that's a little different than, well, this guy got vo- more votes than me because, you know, because he cheated and that's that. That's why. Can't prove anything. Can't prove a single thing. There's, I mean, like I said, not even Fox News, not even not even the most conservative political commentators in the mainstream media agree that the election was stolen. And because of President Trump, now we have to have this, you know, we have to have this browbeating every time a Democrat wins an election that it wasn't stolen. It's insane. He did. He does. You know whether or not he gets criminally charged is one thing. But do I think he deserves to be? Yes, I do. Unequivocally, I think he deserves to be. I don't think he will. I don't think he will. I don't think they're going to get into the business of charging former presidents and all of that stuff because it's going to open the door for Republicans to do that to former Democratic presidents for certain things, right? Or at least try to, right? But do I think he deserves to be? Yeah, I do think he deserves to be. Um, and honestly, you know, I saw in a recent poll, like, is this going to have a political effect? Um, is this going to have like a political effect on like Trump's prospects in the 2024 presidential election? Here's the thing. I think if Trump's the nominee, he loses the election. Absolutely 100% positive he loses the election in a general electorate. I mean, he basically, you know, he should have lost the 2016 election, but we have this dumb point system where, you know, votes don't count. It's just the points in the states that count, but that's another conversation. Um, but I did notice DeSantis is pulling ahead in the, uh, in the, the latest poll, uh, the latest primary poll. Trump's been winning all the other polls. And a lot of them pretty comfortably. But DeSantis is pulling ahead in the latest primary poll. So I don't know if... I think Republicans, most Republicans that want to win elections want to get away from Trump. It's just a matter of can they present that to the base of voters that are going to decide the Republican primary, right? Can they do that? And can President Trump... If he loses a primary, 
admit that he lost. Because it's easy to say the, you know, Joe Biden rigged the election, but then you're going to say the Republicans did too? He might. Certainly, I think, not beyond him. I think it's, you know, within his character to do that. But I don't know. I, I Maybe DeSantis wins. I was pretty bullish. I, I uh... <laughs> I was pretty bullish on um I was pretty bullish on on uh Trump winning the primary uh because uh, I think I thought uh Ron DeSantis was kind of like a uh Warren or a Klobuchar or a Pete Buttigieg type of figure where he appeals to the college educated type the the college educated uh base of his party but not really and but not really anybody else not like the true base of his party um but I'm not so sure now. I think Trump might be a little bit too toxic. We'll see. I guess we'll see. But 508-996-0500. Uh, let's agree that... Bro- um, <laughs> so uh, I'm asking... So the Hunter Biden story is going to be big now that the that the new Congress is taking over, uh, that the new Congress is taking over. We're going to hear all about Hunter Biden. We're going to hear everything about Hunter Biden. We're going to see all of his nude pictures that were blocked on Twitter. Um, but uh, someone's asking if I think it's significant that the story was basically squashed. I don't know if anybody cared about the laptop or anything at that point. Uh, Biden won by a lot. Biden won that but won that race pretty handily. It was like a 10 million vote difference. Uh, he would have had to lose a few states. I don't know if he's... I don't know if the... New York Post not getting enough impressions on Twitter for their story about Hunter Biden had a significant outcome on the election. I don't think it does. I know Twitter did admit they made a mistake, um, which means which which is they did that like a year and a half ago, which makes all that stuff about Elon Musk, you know, revealing some, you know, uh, incredible plot to, uh, you know, um, an incredible plot to influence the elections or something like that. It, it, it's not, it's, I think it's a dud. I don't think anybody cares. Um, I don't know if anybody's going to care about this Hunter Biden story either. Uh, I think we'll see. I think, I guess we'll see what's revealed. I know that there's, they're starting to admit that the, the other media outlets are saying that the laptop is real. I guess we'll see what that, what's on that laptop because we're going to hear all about Hunter Biden. There'll probably be some, impeachment or something. The only thing is, I think it's a little different now because the house right now has a a very slim majority and that slim majority is based basically on like four or five Republicans uh, from New York in the, in those congressional districts that were recently drawn up, leave it to Andrew Cuomo to firebomb the Democrats one more time. But um, I don't know if those four uh, Republican, uh, House committee members, I don't know if they can go along with it. I don't know if they get the majority because there's some people holding on to st- holding on to to districts in that Republican majority that will probably lose their seat if they're too if they show too much allegiance to that President Trump stuff. Uh, that I, I don't I don't I don't see it as likely um, as when the Democrats had a pretty solid majority in the House and they impeached Trump on the. Um, on the January 6th stuff. 
and on the uh, the um, the the phone call with Ukraine and withholding foreign aid and all of that. So anyway, 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program. Uh, that's if you want to talk about January 6th, you want to talk about whatever I'm here. But I'm going to take a break and we'll be right back. This is South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. Chris is not here tonight. He'll be back tomorrow, but I'm here with you until 10, 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program. Um, John Bullard is joining us soon. He was just, I believe, at a ocean, uh, an offshore wind uh, meeting, and he is on his way here. I uh, got a text from him uh, just a few minutes ago, so he'll be here soon, and I want to talk to um, former Mayor Bullard. He's the president of the New Bedford Ocean Cluster. Uh, so, um, they are networking, um, for basically they want to build a, a network of maritime business in the New Bedford, um, waterfront. And so there's a lot of exciting developments happening, uh, on the New Bedford waterfront, one of which being offshore wind, but, you know, we had former mayor Lang on, he was on with Jack Spillane. He said, uh, you know, he had a pretty, I think, scathing rebuke of offshore wind as an industry. He compared the 1,300 towers, uh, approximately 1,300 towers across the East Coast to, uh, he said, 1,300 World Trade Centers. He said it's going to uh, adversely impact uh, the um, the fishing industry, which he said is the um, heritage industry of New Bedford. And he also said that why would we mortgage the fishing industry which, um, you know, makes about a billion dollars, no, not a billion dollars, like, you know, uh, like $10 billion and, um, and creates 7,000 jobs. Why would mortgage that for offshore wind? Cause he said offshore wind won't provide any of that type of, um, any of that type of growth. So a pretty scathing rebuke. So I wanted to have the counterpoint on. And so, you know, I thought who better than another former mayor who's on the other side of that issue, uh, which is uh, former Mayor Bullard, who, again, is president of the uh, uh, New Bedford Ocean Cluster. Now, I mean, current Mayor Mitchell uh, has also been, a, I think, a pretty strong uh, proponent of um, of offshore wind. Obviously, he was just in Europe for a week talking about it. And so, um, you know, I'm interested to hear the the counterpoint from from former Mayor Bullard. Uh, 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the program. I believe I see Mayor Bullard walking to the door now. So I see some calls on the line. Tell you what, I'm going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. 1420 WBSM is now also on 99.5 FM. Get breaking news alerts, stream audio, send us text messages, and get live traffic and weather updates all on the WBSM app. Download it now from your app store or at WBSM.com. Welcome back to the show. I'm Marcus. Um, 508-996-0500 is how you can join us this evening. We're actually joined uh, by former mayor of New Bedford, John Bullard, who served, I believe, from the mid-80s till the early 90s. Is that correct? And he's now president of the New Bedford uh, Ocean Cluster. Um, so, Mayor Bullard, thanks for coming on. Uh, you know, we had, uh, first of all, before we get started, um, can you tell us a little bit about the New Bedford Ocean Cluster, the, the work that you guys are doing? Sure, Marcus. Thank you very much for having me on. Uh, New Bedford Ocean Cluster has been uh, in existence as a legal entity for about a year and a half, maybe close to two years. It was started by Mayor John Mitchell uh, for the purpose of advancing four pillars. One, we want to strengthen 
uh, commercial fishing. Of course, New Bedford uh, is known for commercial fishing. We've been the number one dollar port in the United States for about 20 years, but uh, we never want to take that for granted. So that's one pillar. Uh, secondly, we want to uh, uh, maintain a leadership role in the fast emerging field of offshore wind. Uh, we want to, uh, thirdly, um, uh, we want to um, capture a very fast growing field of uh, aquaculture and fourth, uh, tap uh, marine technology. Uh, so all four of those areas are uh, ones we want to push. When Mayor Mitchell asked me to get involved in this, I said, uh, as the former regional administrator of uh, NOAA Fisheries, that I was interested in each of them individually, but I was even more excited about the connections between, uh, pick any two of them, the connections between fishing and offshore wind, between offshore wind and aquaculture, just any two of those have really interesting combinations. So um, we're speaking with former New Bedford Mayor uh, John Bullard. He's president of the New Bedford Ocean Cluster. So we talked about offshore winds. One of the reasons I, I had had you on um, is because one of your successors, not your immediate successor, uh, new, former New Bedford Mayor Scott Lang had was on when Jack Spillane was filling in for me and uh, Chris last Thursday. He had had a sort of scathing rebuke of the offshore wind industry. He said, Nuclear fusion renders this technology if, uh, essentially obsolete when it's constructed. He said the 1,300 towers are uh, windmills that will be put up on the East Coast will be 1,300 uh, World Trade Centers and that uh, we're mortgaging our cultural heritage industry, uh, which is uh, fishing um, for uh, offshore wind. Um, what are your thoughts uh, on these criticisms? Well, first of all, I want to tell you that when I ran for mayor, Scott Lang was my campaign chair. Oh. Uh, I love him like a brother. He practices law with my brother. We've been right. very close friends for a long time, continue to be close friends. I have a lot of admiration for Scott, and uh, I like him a lot. Uh, I don't agree with him on this, <laughs> <laughs> on this issue <laughs> and a few others. Um, I graduated uh, from uh, uh, graduate school in architecture and planning from MIT in uh, 1974. And as such, I get their alumni magazine. And I have uh, been reading since 1974 in MIT's alumni magazine about the prospects of nuclear fusion. And it is very exciting. And since 1974, in my alumni magazine, I've read that nuclear fusion is 10 years away and that's what i've read in the news recently it's an exciting breakthrough 10 years away uh, so i just want to say for 50 years i've been reading about it being 10 years away right uh so uh i hope now uh that's an accurate headline that we will have nuclear fusion 10 years away uh, i think it is an exciting prospect, but I, I've read this headline before. Right. Uh, I think that um, uh, there is, uh, 
I started work uh, with fishing fishermen when I was actually before I was mayor. When when I worked in the waterfront historic district, uh, f- fixing up that area, it was the support base for fishing. New Bedford Ship Supply, which is still there, Skips Marine, Kruger Brothers, that that was the support base uh, of the fishing industry. When I was mayor, you know, we combined piers three and four. We extended Steamship Pier. Uh, I, 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 my first week was the fish strike when, unfortunately, they busted oh, yeah. the union. Right. Uh, and so I have, uh, for 50 years, been working with the fishing industry. Uh, my, I've spent 10 years at NOAA uh, working with fishermen around the country. Uh, and so I, I know about fishing in New Bedford. I know about fishing in the Gulf of Mexico, in Alaska, in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, I've met thousands of fishermen. I have uh, huge respect for fishermen. It's tough work. Yeah. And it's important work. Sure. Um, I've also, uh, over the past uh, few years, gotten uh, to see uh, this emerging industry of, of offshore wind, uh, which is very new to us, but not so new in Europe. Right. And I've seen the, the uh, billions of dollars uh, that have created jobs in fishing areas in Europe right. and that is uh, coming our way. Uh, very, very quickly. I've also seen energy development in the Gulf of Mexico uh, with oil rigs and how uh, those industrial structures interact with fishing uh, in the Gulf of Mexico, which has a very active fishery for shrimp and oysters. So you see uh, the construction of industrial uh, oil rigs and the interaction with very active commercial fishing, big fishing ports in the Gulf of Mexico. So I've seen that. We are big. We're the number one dollar port, but we're not the only fishing port in this country. Right. We're not the only fishing port that deals with uh, big structures like oil rigs. So there is a, a lot of uh, places of comparison that we have to go on. Uh, There are a lot of ports that have, uh, you know, uh, hundreds of years of fishing to go on. Uh, And I learned, I think, my first week, Marcus, as mayor, that everybody wants progress. Nobody wants change. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's human human nature. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I learned that when I went to build a sewer plant in the South End and became the ex-mayor. <laughs> you know, right? Yes. everyone wants clean water. Nobody wants a sewer plant. Yes. And uh, so that's, that's human nature. Uh, I think um, that uh, there's no, and I've been to hundreds and hundreds, maybe a thousand, I don't know, uh, fisheries meetings where you, you listen to fishermen talk about, all kinds of issues. And I know if there's one phrase that is inaccurate, it's the the phrase fishing industry, uh, because it implies that fishermen think alike uh, or fishermen have one opinion. They don't. The reason you go to sea is so you can get away uh, 
Fishermen are the most fiercely independent people I know. One of the reasons probably why the fishing strike had busted the unions is because there was little collective thought there, right? Well, it was... Or, or just... In, in that case, it was the boat owners wanting to bust the union yeah. of fishermen, which right. was unfortunate in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, but there oh, were also dealers who wanted to privatize the auction, which right. was a third part. But you have different parts of the industry who argue with each other. You know, mobile gear people don't like fixed gear people. Yeah. The recreational fishermen don't like the commercial fishermen, and the commercial fishermen don't like the rec. Recreational fishermen love wind turbines. Right. Uh, they, <laughs> yeah. they love the offshore wind, but commercial fishermen, some some of the commercial fishermen are already participating in offshore wind. Some are... Participating how? Uh, they're participating uh, because they have already figured out... Uh, well, I'll t let me back up a little bit. Sure. When I left City Hall and started work for the seafood co-op, Rodney Avila took me around the docks and said, John, we harvest dollars. Yeah. It may look like fish, but our business is harvesting dollars. So there's some fishermen who've already figured out that offshore wind is a way to harvest dollars, uh, that there are opportunities in offshore wind. If you're in the electronics business, well, you can do electronics and offshore wind. If you're in hydraulics, if you sell fuel, if you build boats, if you're in harvesting, you can do monitoring. You can do crew transfer. Uh, there are parts of offshore wind where you can make money. And as Rodney said, we're in the business of harvesting dollars. There are opportunities uh, to make money in offshore wind. So there are components of the fishing industry or fishing, uh, yeah, I'll just say fishing industry. There are components of the fishing industry that actually complement um, offshore wind. Where fishermen have already figured out because you can't be in fishing if you're not smart. Right. <laughs> if you don't if you can't figure out how to adapt and they've already seen a, a good number of people already in the fishing industry have seen we can make money in offshore wind. And but what about the you know the the catches is it going to is the is the the structure are the structures going to adversely impact the catch that the New Bedford fishing port brings in yearly, making it the number one fishing port in the, in, in the country? Well, that, that is a very good question. And I think New Bedford is a really good port. And I mentioned this when I worked at NOAA to the head of BOEM, the Bureau of, of Ocean Energy Management, yep. which regulates this. I said, you really need to look at New Bedford more than any other port because New Bedford has uh, the, the uh, Clean Energy Center right next to South Terminal. Right. And it's about being good neighbors. Right. Now, what's it take to be a good neighbor? Well, if your dog barks at night, you're not a good neighbor. Yeah. Right? It's what does it take to be a good neighbor? Good listening, paying attention to what your neighbor needs. And uh, so... That means whether you're a good neighbor on land, the way uh, the Marine Commerce Terminal is 
to this uh, seafood processing or whether you're a good neighbor out at sea, it means listening with respect and then doing something with what you hear. Uh, and that means if the fishermen say, I need this much distance between turbines for transit areas or for uh, me to be able to uh, traverse in heavy weather in the fog, uh, then you do something with what you hear. Okay. That's what good neighbors do. Uh, and it means if you're in the fishing industry, it means that you don't have the ocean to yourself. There are other uses, <laughs> shipping, right. you know, it's offshore wind. And it means that fossil fuels have never been your friend. The ocean is warming because of fossil yeah, fuels. it's true. It's acidifying because of fossil fuels. That if we don't get off of carbon, cod are leaving our area yeah. because the ocean's warming. Shellfish are losing their shells because of acidification. So it's in the interest of the fishing industry, which always says we are the best stewards to find clean sources of energy. And so if we listen to each other and say to each other what we need, then I think, I firmly believe that both industries can benefit each other. The, the uh, offshore wind industry needs labor that knows how to work in a harsh marine environment. Who knows how to do that better than our fishermen? Right. That's what they do. And it's incumbent upon the offshore wind industry to, and the city of New Bedford and the New Bedford Ocean Cluster to, you're talking about, you know, the, the saying the turbines need to be certain distances for travel routes, for fog uh, and all of that. It's incumbent upon the offshore wind industry to, um, basically uh, broker an agreement with the fishing industry that, uh, that doesn't affect the way that they do their business? Well, I think that there are, you have the, the developers, you have the fishing industry, and then you have regulatory agencies such as BOEM and the agency I worked for, NOAA Fisheries. Right. So all of these uh, talk to one another. And what you hope is with people saying what they need, honestly, not gamesmanship, but honestly, and listening, and uh, that you end up with people living together where everyone uh, can uh, coexist. Uh, and I think that's possible. Uh, the ocean is uh, a big place, and I... Uh, I, I think that can happen. And I also think uh, that uh, the offshore wind industry is uh, big and there's potential for uh, a lot of money to be made. Yeah. And I think there's potential uh, if there are some losses in uh, fishery revenue for them to be more than made up by uh, other jobs in 
uh, monitoring in crew transport and other things that will more than make up for it in terms of uh, ancillary income uh, to people in all segments of the fishing industry. 508-996-0500. We're going to take a break, but we'll be right back. This is South Coast Tonight. I'm here with former Mayor uh, John Bullard, so stay tuned. WBS. John, a former New Bedford Mayor John Bullard. Um, and uh, do you want to take a call? Sure. Good evening. You're live. Yeah. Marcus. Um, hey, what's up, Al? I want, I want to bring something to your attention. Okay. You briefly went off the air. A little while ago, I'm okay. not sure if anybody else picked up on it. Okay, but I did. I did. So I'm just giving you an FYI. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Appreciate it. Thanks. Bye bye. Oh, some technical difficulties, I guess. I, I've been getting calls and messages most of the evening, so I'm not sure. But anyway, so um, Mayor Bullard, I, I'd like to can can you stay a little bit in the nine o'clock hour? Is that possible? Sure, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Because uh, we're nearing the end of the nine o'clock hour, the news is going to play, and all of that. Um, I do want to ask you before we go. Let's say nuclear fusion does become a thing. What is that? Does that mean that that offshore winds on the road to obsolescence? Uh, I don't think so. Any more than solar panels are going to be obsolete or yeah. anything else. We have, uh, uh, I think. Uh, a need for clean energy and solar and wind are clean, certainly much more than natural gas. Yeah. Uh, and uh, nuclear fusion, if uh, the, the news about breakthroughs is correct, and I certainly hope it is, is 10 to 15 years away. And then uh, you've got to build plants to bring it up to scale. So uh, people are talking about uh, wind turbines having a life expectancy of 30 years. So uh, uh, I think, uh, you know, we're building these things for 30 years. Right. Uh, so uh, we've got turbines. Uh, I drove, my wife and I drove out to see our son in Boise. The whole country's covered with turbines. Right. Uh, we, we, we need to be talking about take, replacing those, too, as well as our house is covered in solar panels. So, yeah, uh, everything has a life expectancy. But uh, So wind would be complementary to that, not, yeah, yeah. you know, right, yeah. not, not, a, not a predecessor. Okay, um, we're going to take a quick news break, and then uh, we'll wrap up here with uh, former Mayor uh, Bullard. So, so stay tuned.